This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to the 16th episode of Kiwi and the Bird, Book Nerds in Session. I'm Taylor. I'm Kami. And in this episode, we are going to go into an in-depth discussion about the clever and somber We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. Now, as we discuss everything, and I mean everything, here is your one and only... Spoiler Spoiler alert! Kami, would you like to give us a spoiler alert sound effect? I can, um, try. Beep beep, there is a spoiler! Beep, beep, there is a spoiler alert. And now, on to the show. So the liars in We Were Liars are Cadence, who's the main character, Gat, her lover, Johnny and Mirren, who are her cousins. Now, I don't know if it's Mirren or Marin. I think in my head I said it Marin. I think you say it Mirren. I say Mirren. So, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> well, what, just keep in mind that there, there's probably going to be different pronunciations. That's true. And it's basically their relationships together that even give reason for this book to exist, of course. It's them banding together their love and their ideals that ultimately shape who they are and the ending of the story. So, Akami, in entirety, what did you think about The Four Liars? I liked that the author kind of characterized them. Okay. I liked how the author characterized them because obviously Cadence is the main character of the book, so we get to know her pretty dang well. And through her eyes, we see the rest of the liars. And I believe the author just uses a couple of words to describe each liar. And she kind of follows through with that throughout the rest of the story. So, like, Johnny, I believe, is, like, snark and bounce. And Mirren is sweet and light, something something along those Mm -hmm. lines. And so I liked how she kept it so simple and yet it holds so much meaning mm-hmm. towards the end of the story. Yeah, like the, the simple words have so many defini- definitions for that character. I personally liked how the liars bounced off of each other. They're all super different and all of them have different, different problems or different ideas and yet they still work together. Uh, but not work together like they... I, I mean, like, their personalities interact well with each other. And they complement and they bring out different aspects. I honestly, it's like the perfect group for a summer getaway. You know, like, these kids get to go to this private island for the summer and they get, they meet each other every single summer and just have this group where they just play tennis and eat ice cream and go swimming. And it's just, it seems like it's the perfect little group for the perfect summer. And it was kind of an interesting idea to me in the story how you would see how close they would be in the summer. And yet, when it was during the actual year, 
they didn't really contact each other, they didn't really reach out, and yet every every year when they would reunite, they were still as close as they were before. It was as if things picked up where they left off from the last summer. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, it's, it was almost as if it was a separate life. The liars were almost a separate life from their regular lives. It's almost like having work friends and then normal friends. Exactly. It's like, those are my summer friends. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I feel that on a level. <laughs> I also just really liked the different dynamics between, like, pairs in The Liars. So, like, you had Katie and Gat, who obviously had a more romantic one. And you had Katie and Mirren, who had, like, more of the girl talk and, like, oh... That kind of thing. Boys. <laughs> Back, yeah. And then you had Katie and Johnny who were all like banter and snarky. Or you had Johnny and Mirren who didn't get along with each other but still loved each other because they were family and all of that things. And you had Gat and Johnny who obviously know each other really well. But those, if anything, Gat and Johnny were the ones who knew each other outside of the summer life. Mm-hmm. And so just like seeing like the different dynamics between... All of the Liars was also just a really interesting thing to see. And also, I think also just really helped develop their characters. And I think for the most part, they seemed pretty realistic. Like, I like how each one of them reacted to certain things. So, like, in that one scene where Cadence tells Gat to shut up. And he's like, hey, everyone else tells me to shut up. And, you know, it is what it is. But you don't tell me to shut up. And she goes, well, when we tell you to shut up, it doesn't really mean shut up. Or I guess it kind of does. <laughs> but it it just means that we love you and we get it. You're brilliant. But we can't handle it. <laughs> I also appreciated the fact that even though Cadence, Johnny, and Mirren were all cousins, Gat just kind of seamlessly fit in with them. I mean, there was differences and they did come up for, for the most part for like for whatever they're doing. They're like, they always included Gat with them. Mm-hmm. They they instantly had that connection. Mm-hmm. All four of them. And like you said earlier, they the the liars were kind of a distraction for each other. But I think the liars were only able to be real with each other as well. And even though there's kind of that thing to that play where it's kind of fantasy versus reality, where I think Gat probably mentions it the most, how Beechwood isn't what's really real. I still think they're at their most real because even though you have this really tough line between privilege and between racism and such like that and things like that, I feel like they were at their best with each other and only the four of them could truly understand each other. Only the four of them could understand the whole thing with the grandpa and with the moms fighting for money, fighting for land, fighting for real estate. Only they, together as the four, could understand what they wanted for the world. What they, what they wanted to do for themselves. Who they wanted to be. What they wanted to become. They all, I think they all shared that same desire of they all wanted to do something. And maybe they didn't know exactly what it was. But within each and every one of them, and I think Cadence kind of goes into this at the end... They didn't know exactly who they were. They didn't know exactly what they were meant to do. But they at least wanted to do something. Which is 
it's interesting that that was like the one thing that connected them. But I like, I agree with what you said that, that they could only really be real with the liars. Like that was just like a connection that they had. I think partly because, you know, they only saw each other for three months out of the year, but also just cause three months together every single day does create a bond that can't be replaced. And you definitely felt that from the liars. Yeah. I mean, a BBQ brings people together, you right? know? Some good meat. Ooh. Also, though, just, like, side note, the liars are totally, like, they totally had that older cousin vibe, <laughs> right? Where it was like, oh, yeah, we're the older cousins. We're not going to play with the younger cousins. Ew. We're just going to leave you alone, pretend you don't exist. <laughs> Go have fun at the little kid table, punks. Basically. <laughs> and as, as the youngest grandchild and the youngest cousin... I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit resentful of that. <laughs> I was like, go play with your younger cousins, you selfish people. <laughs> go be with them. <laughs> I mean, Mirren had like three little siblings. Johnny had one. Like there were, like, it's not like they had a little group together. That's true. Wait, I thought Johnny and Mirren were siblings. Johnny and Mirren are cousins. What? Wait. This whole time. Because <laughs> it's, it's. Um, they're the, <gasps> oh. it's the three aunts. So they're the child of each aunt. Oh, okay. So Johnny's Carrie's son, of course. And then Mirren is Bess's and mm. she has Liberty Taft and Bonnie. Ah, uh, okay. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they totally had that vibe. And I was literally, I was like, just memories from my childhood of my older sisters and my cousins playing together and just excluding me, like brought up some like frustration. <laughs> That was like buried deep inside of me. I I am the I'm a part of the older cousins. But to be fair, I only have three cousins. And my sister's <laughs> an older cousin with me. <laughs> I mean, I have eighteen on my dad's side, so That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, and they all had kids too, but they're way too young for me, so I was just in this weird position. <laughs> If I had to say, though, who my favorite liar was, I mean... Is it Johnny? No, it's Gat. Oh. Oh, he made me so sad, though. In a good way. Like, I felt so much for him in a good way, but, oh, he just had so much hope. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, not... I wouldn't even say hope, because he, he knew the world sucked. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to do something about it. You know, his motto. Like... If there's evil in the world, do something about it. And so he had that attitude of just, he just wanted to aspire to be kind of like a revolutionary. It was almost like a soft determination. Like he was a gentle soul who, who had this desire, this like burning desire to do more. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then I, I liked Johnny too, because... Johnny, like you said, is that person you banter with, someone who, you know, you you can't you roast each other a little bit, but you know deep down that he feels a lot more than he lets on. He may be snark and he may be bounce, but he feels too. And then you're like, Johnny. <laughs> I re- I actually really liked Mirren as well. Like she was the mom friend, you know. She took <laughs> care of everybody. Don't jump don't jump off the cliff. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> and just for Mirren, like, she just wants, she just wants to have a relationship. 
and apparently have sex. That's like beyond it. But she just, she's just like, she's kind of just like the teenage girl. Like she wants to have a relationship and she wants to live her life. And like, she's just like, she's soft and sweet and gentle. Yeah. I think I was just going to say, I think she is the softest out of all of them. Yeah. And I feel like between all the liars that Cadence is the best mediator. Like she feels like the most center of their personalities, if that makes sense. I mean, I think it might be because she's the main character, but yes. I mean, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> but in the beginning, when I first read the story, I, I didn't immediately think that I would bond with the characters. And not in a bad way, but I I suppose I said it wrong. I, I didn't think I would feel as deeply as I did for them. Because in the beginning, they're just... They're kind of surface at first. They are just those few little words, those few little descriptors. But then you do feel for them. And the descriptors do become more. And then you see that each and every one of them, they just... What they had with each other was so pure. And what they wanted was so pure. And then it quite literally went up in flames. They were just, they, the liars were, I, I'm going to say are, just because present tense. They live in our hearts. Exactly. <laughs> they, they live in the story. No, they don't. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're not okay. <laughs> we're suffering. <laughs> but, I mean, the liars are a group of, are the group of friends you always wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that you're you're super close with, that you can talk to about anything, that you experience a bunch of things with. Where things aren't awkward or uncomfortable. And I think um, the liars kind of give you this almost yearning for something similar. I think the liars feel like home. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't necessarily matter if they were at Beechwood. Though I think Beechwood is the perfect setting for them. They, As long as they're together, they would always have that connection no matter what. I also like that they're known as the liars. Like we don't, we don't ever figure out why. But it just, like, it just spells of trouble, you know? Like, they're the people who got in trouble. They're, like, the mischievous <laughs> type. Actually, throughout the book, I was wondering, I was like, oh, I wonder why they are called liars. At the beginning of the book, I thought maybe they did something that earned them the nickname. But then it's, you never really figure it out. But then, in the bonus content, there it is. Yeah. There's the answer. We did, we did get the books with the bonus content. Because we be like that. Yeah, we're those type of people. <laughs> So the main mystery uh, in the story is what happened to Cadence. Basically, she had this accident in summer 15, which landed her in the hospital with amnesia. She doesn't really remember what happened. She, like, has some things that she can remember, but not, like, the actual accident. And she can't remember what happens even after someone tells her. So she's just kind of struggling with that. And... She can't see the liars for a very long time. And so when she finally goes back to Beechwood after her accident, that's kind of where the story takes off. And Caden's trying to figure out what happened to her. I think it was really sad after Cadence's accident that she went home, of course, and then the summer came up, which would be summer 16, and she tried reaching out to 
Johnny and Marin and Gat and no one's responding. You know, she's trying to, she has different tactics where in some email emails, she's trying to be funny or fun and be like, hey, you know, how are you doing? And then in other ones, she's sad and she's a little bit more real and she's just not getting any responses. And from Gat, it's especially hard for her because she thinks that he's in love with this other girl, that the summer kind of meant nothing, that maybe she did something wrong. It was really hard to feel those emo- emotions of rejection, of... You're, you being so close to these people and no one's talking to you. And actually, the emails were the first thing where I was like, huh, that's suspicious. <laughs> I'm like, no one's responding, but Gat wouldn't do that. He's too good of a guy. <laughs> I think, well, I, for someone like me who didn't see it, see the plot twist coming... I didn't see any of that. <laughs> I was just like, wow, they really aren't that close, are they? <laughs> it's sad to see, like, how she's kind of picking up the pieces of her mind. Of her mind and kind of of her life, because after the accident, it feels like she is kind of losing sight of who she is, or almost kind of like the desire that she wants to almost rebuild in a way. Because she is throwing, she's giving all of her possessions away. Oh, she gave away Gat's jacket. Oh my gosh. I was like, give it back. Give it That one hurt. Mm -hmm. See, giving away your possessions is actually a sign of someone being depressed and someone being someone who's suicidal. So, like, you also see, it's never stated outright, but you definitely see, like, these symptoms and these signs in cadence of her mental state. And how it's kind of deteriorating. Because even before her accident, and this confused me a little bit at first, but I slowly was like, oh, just don't be dumb anymore, Taylor, and you'll figure it out. (laughs) But Cadence always talks about bleeding. And in my notes, I was like, what does the blood represent? (laughs) I I was a little confused. (laughs) Like, when her dad left her in the beginning, and she was like, my dad shot me in the chest. I goes, how is she alive? (laughs) How is she? But... She kind of had signs of that beforehand with the the whole bleeding thing. Even she said that Gat would always wrap up her wounds for her. And when I first read it, I thought it was being literal. Like, I thought maybe she was cutting herself or maybe... I, I wasn't exactly sure. But when I think back on it now, I, I do think it's more figurative. And that Gat bandaging her wounds, he's not actually doing that. But in a way, he is. He's emotionally healing her and the blood to me kind of became more of like she was bleeding feelings like there was just so much pain that the pain was coming out of her and so I think having that in her past definitely was amplified after the accident her mom also did not help I mean when you have a mentally ill teenager you don't tell them to be normal in front of other people. That's... <laughs> but that's the whole Sinclair mentality. It is. We're always perfect. We're never affected. That's just so sad, though. Like, you really, you feel really bad for Cadence and, like, what she's going through. Because, I mean, th- she also has these terrible migraines that take her out for days. Like, she's so sick that she's 
missed school and she's been held back for a year and like everything in her world has just kind of stopped. And again, she's reaching out so badly for the only people who think she can help and she's not getting any emails back. Oof. But then comes summer 17 where her mom finally lets her go back to Beechwood in which she she sees the liars again. <laughs> we just cry every time the liars are mentioned. <laughs> and it's just kind of the story of how she she's interacting with the liars again, even after they haven't contacted her for years, and her figuring things out as she goes. I think the author did really well to translate when Cadence first sees the liars again, kind of that feeling of just familiarity, of just kind of almost the feeling of safety, like, oh, these are my people. But also that moment when she saw them on the docks, I was like, uh, that's suspicious. <laughs> because I'm like, huh, before, so she gets off the dock and the, the all the, uh, the moms, her aunts greet her and her grandpa, but the liars leave. I'm like, huh. That's interesting, <laughs> interesting, interesting. But I feel like when Cadence first got back to Beechwood, that for a moment, it almost seems like Cadence is back to normal. I kind of got that sensation mm-hmm. where, like, the excitement of seeing her cousins again, for a moment, it's like nothing's changed, that the accident didn't happen, that they haven't been emailing her back. It's just that the liars are together again. But then I think as she spends a little bit more time at the island, she goes, hey, why didn't you guys email me back? Why won't you guys tell me about the accident? Why, why aren't, why, I thought we were closer than that. You know, it's kind of like reality is more stepping in. I think when she first comes back, it's that fantasy of, oh, we're together again. And then she begins to question. And those questions then, of course, lead to something more. I love the way that the author wrote the story just in general because we see it through Cadence's eyes and we get like a full taste of how things are for her mentally. Like you said that like you were confused at some points because you weren't sure if they're literal or metaphorical. And I think that just kind of plays into what Cadence is thinking inside her head. And that's just such a, such a clever way to write it because we don't, since we only see things through her eyes, we don't know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Like, you obviously did, <laughs> but like you, like you see the signs and everything, but it's just, it was, is is a fantastic way to kind of wrap the story into one. And I think it was really clever too, how when Cadence got back to Beechwood, how, um, the liars seem like the liars, but they also kind of seem like a record player kind of repeating the same things because Cadence of course can't really imagine them saying anything more than what they have said because of of course the plot twist and so even with Gat when she got back and and he's like hey you're mad at me he goes I should have told you about Raquel I should have told you about the other girl but I came back and I just was kind of swept away by you And then they kiss again and he goes, oh, I can't taint you. I can't be the monster. You know, that whole sort of thing. That was kind of a rewind of what he had said to her 
back in summer 15 about the whole Wuthering Heights dilemma. Like, even though the liars are saying something different, they're not really. They're just replays. They're kind of echoes of what they've said before. I just think the author's so clever. <laughs> but she made she me really sad. <laughs> she did. The, the way it was... It was a very unique style of writing, but it was, like, I think we said this before in the recommendation, but if if it was written in any other way, it wouldn't have had the impact that it did. And, I mean, she also tackles mental illness really, really well. Mm -hmm. So there's also that. And I liked how when Cadence went to confront Johnny, well, she didn't really go. I think it kind of more just happened about why he didn't answer her emails. He's like, Cadence, I'm an asshole. (laughs) And, and she kind of accepts that, right? Because, of course, that's Johnny, you know? And then with Marin, she goes, hey, why didn't you email me back? I even sent you, I mailed you one of our Barbies, you know? And Marin goes, well, read me the emails now, you know? And I want to hear what you had to say. Oh, it's so sad. But I liked how each character dealt with that particular problem of why didn't you answer me back in a different way? Johnny, I'm an asshole. Gat, I should have said sorry. I uh, Sorry. No, I should have done things differently. And Marin goes, hey, let me rectify it now. Let's read the emails now. I think that was just a really good way of displaying their personalities and how they react to things and how that kind of comforts Cadence in a different way. Yeah. I think mean, I actually hadn't thought about it that way. Oh, it makes me sad. It does make me sad. I feel like we're just like tiptoeing around the plot. <laughs> us, and I feel like we should talk about it now or else we're just going to be yeah, like, you, let's do it. So the liars are dead. <laughs> That's the big plot twist in We Were Liars. The liars are dead. You know, they died in summer 15, and that's what Cadence's whole accident was. The liars made a plan to burn down Claremont House because to them it was the symbol of everything that was wrong in their lives with their their grandfather being power hungry and using his his wealth as a means to control the aunts and the family to their aunts fighting about it and using their children as a as a way to get more money. Everything about that and all of their struggles, they thought that they could get rid of it if they got rid of Claremont House, this 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 giant monument of symbolism, mm-hmm. basically. So the liars make a plan to burn the house down. Except they got a little bit drunk. And each liar went to a separate floor. And so they, they made the plans and everything, but things went wrong. And Cadence was the only one who got out. Oh, gosh. It's so sad. It's so sad. Because the way that it's written is that you learn about their deaths before the actual accident. You learn they died, and then you learn that Cadence was technically the one who killed them. Mm-hmm. Because she was a little drunk and everything, she put gas where she wasn't supposed to, and she lit it up. So, the liars weren't able to get out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and so, basically, 
and then she tries to go back in to at least save Gat, but she can't. And so she goes back to, which house was it? Um, I think it was, it's uh, the W one, not the W one, the, the small one. Cuddle Down, are you thinking of? Cuddle Down, yes. She goes down to Cuddle Down. She goes back to Cuddle Down where they're all supposed to meet. Because she thinks maybe they'll come back. Maybe they'll come back. Like maybe they made it out and she didn't know that they had. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. And she was all burned up so she went into the water. Oh. And then that was the accident. That's where everyone then found her. They they found her on the beach with without a lot of her clothes because obviously they got burned off and everything. And that that was the big thing. They burned it down, but only one liar survived. They burned with it. Mm-hmm. I, when I first read the book, for quite a bit, I thought maybe just Gat was dead. But then I was confused because I was like, well, but Kat, Gat keeps talking to Marin and Johnny. So I just go, so he can't be dead because usually dead characters, of course, can't interact with people, right? So I'm like, oh, I don't know if Gat, but then all of a sudden I realized it and I was like, they're all, three of them are dead. They, they don't want to go to the dinners, not because they're rebelling, because they're dead. They didn't answer Caden's back, not because they were being assholes, like Johnny said. <laughs> it's because they couldn't. You know, she had no one, literally no one. And the reason why her mom was like, why do you keep spending all your time at Cuddle Down? It's weird, you know, put yourself together. It's because... Again, they're dead, and yet she's interacting with them as though they're real. And and I realized that, and I was like, oh, this is sad. And I didn't read the book for the next few days. I was actually busy those few days. And, and yet when I was kind of getting back to the book, I hadn't really wanted to read it yet. And for a while I thought, oh, maybe it's because I know the ending, and so maybe it lost its appeal but then I realized that soon was quite incorrect and that I was just dreading having to read the specifics of having to hear about the funerals, of having to see exactly how they died. I didn't want to see them die. I knew they were dead, but I didn't want to see it happen. And then finally I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was so sad. And it wasn't even the fire scene that made me tear up. It was when the the liars said their goodbyes to Cadence. That scene was gets me every time because when you figure out that they're dead, you figure out that it's just Cadence seeing them. It's her guilt of causing the fire that killed them. It's her guilt of killing the dogs, obviously. Oh, the dogs were the worst part. When I read about the dogs, I was like, oh, that. Oh, so lives were lost in that yeah. fire. But it was just, and, and then for me, it was kind of realizing that while she was talking to them during Summer 17, I think it was her guilt that was personifying, but also like kind of like her desires and what she wanted them to tell her. So for Gat, it was, I want to, I want to be with you again. But it was also some guilt because he, she never knew him outside of Beechwood. And so, like, all the things that they said, like, you can kind of trace it back to her guilt, to her desires, to everything like that. And it just crushes you. But then, like, that that scene you're talking about when 
the liars say their goodbyes because they're, oh, oh my heavens. The way that E. Lockhart wrote it just crushed my little heart. It really did. Because first she kind of like, they start out at Cuddle Down. And they're like, it's, and it's after Cadence finally figures out everything that happened. And they're like, you know, Katie, we're really tired. Like, we're going to go now. Oh, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> it's so oh. painful. Oh. And it's there that, like, a lot of repetition is used in the book. But, like, every time something's repeated, there's deeper and deeper meaning to it. So when she says goodbye to the liars, they go out to the beach. And, like, she remembers each of them for the little descriptors that were used at the beginning of the book. For Johnny, who was bounce and snark, and Gat, who was ambition and coffee beans, and Mirren, who was light and soft and everything. Oh, oh, your heart just, oh, as she says goodbye to them. Oh, <laughs> you go. I think the, <laughs> the part in that scene that hurt the most for me was just Cadence kind of recounting who the liars were and what they wanted to do. So I think, and I may have to reference the book. Actually, maybe I will just reference the book so I don't misquote it. So on page 233, she starts out with Johnny. You know, how he wanted to run a marathon. How he wanted to prove that he was more than physical endurance. That he was, and this is the direct quote, proving he was the man granddad wanted him to be. Proving his strength, though he was so small. Oh, that was really sad. <laughs> so well, just... The next line, his lungs filled with smoke. He had nothing to prove now. There is nothing to run for. And then she lists out just everything that he was. You know, how he wanted to own a car and he left sweaters and scarves and he wanted to make tuna fish uh, out of Lego. And, you know, all these little details about him. And I, and I like how each... It's a deep dedication. It's not just little thing. It's it's not like a little paragraph. It's pages of just who he was and who he wanted to prove himself to be. And then with Mirren, I feel like Cadence went into all the experiences that Mirren wanted to have, but was never able to have because of, of course, what happened. And how she just wanted to be something and she didn't know what, but she just wanted to be something. And then Gap. Oh, that she leaves the Gap for last. Oh. Which I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Can't wait to cry, everyone. And how he wanted to be good. He wanted to be someone who put a stop to evil. He had all these hopes for what the world could be what he wanted to make it become. And and there's even that moment, and we texted about this, and you actually brought this up in the text, but about how she imagined what his life on the out, outside of Beechwood was like, and how she was like, he has a bike that he takes, but I, I don't even know if he has a bike. But, like, all these little details that she's not sure like, this other life that he lived that she was never a part of, that she never knew about, but that she imagines, but that she doesn't know if it's real, but... Because she never knew. Yeah. It's... The way that Elok Hart wrote it was... 
she made them seem like people, like people who were dear to you. And so, like, it was like you were losing these people. Which is why, like, you feel so much for them. You're just like, oh, no. Like, these are real people. Well, oh, like, in this. Yeah. 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 They had so much, so many, they had ambitions and desires and they, like, Gat wanted to learn and Mirren wanted to get married and Johnny wanted expensive things and, oh, it's just the, her description, the descriptions of that and just the past and just the writing before then, just like everything leading up to it, just made it that much more heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. And I think with the liars' aspirations, like you said, each one of them had a desire that I feel like everyone has. I feel like everyone wants to be something. Everyone wants to wants to learn. Everyone wants to prove something. You know, like I feel like you could relate to the liars. I feel like their aspirations were aspirations you've had at one point in your life. And so that combined with knowing that they're never going to be able to fulfill that. The sense of, like, lost promise, lost potential. That these people who wanted to do so much, who perhaps could have done so much, don't even have the opportunity. It was, it's like, it's you, you as the reader are saying goodbye to these characters along with that main character. It's like you are saying goodbye with her. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like, oh, ouchie. And it made me curious about just the age of Summer 15. Because it made me think that maybe Summer 15 was a turning point. That if Cadence, Gat, Johnny, and Mirren hadn't rebelled, that maybe they never would have. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's like at that point in their lives, they really truly recognized what was wrong with the family and that if they didn't do it, something about it then that maybe they would just accept it ultimately. Hmm. I actually don't agree. Oh. I do think that the summer 15 was a turning point, but I think they would have gotten so fed up with it that something else would have happened if they didn't burn it down. Mm. Because you can see them... Like, the defiance and then start building and building with, you know, their their mothers telling them to do something, like telling their grandfather, tell him that you've always loved these tablecloths because I want them. You know, like, them not doing that, then just staying together and wanting to stay together. The group made them strong. Yes, but staying as a group was more important to them than anything else that their family could have offered. Like, they wouldn't have just accepted it because it was just too valuable to them. Mm. I think it's hard to, with just the fire in general, knowing that certain factors before and afterward word, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, could have prevented certain things. You know, if they hadn't drunk the wine, if they hadn't all taken a level, if Cadence hadn't had doused the wrong parts afterward, if she hadn't had run to cuddle down, she maybe could have had the opportunity, I think she said to save Gat. To save Gat in the basement. And and the dog's upstairs, Ooh. just as an added part. Um, 
it's just these near misses that make it even more tragic. It's kind of like a play tragedy to me where ultimately it was going to be that. But there's just so many things in hindsight that could have prevented it. One little detail that gets me is when she's talking about their funerals um, and how her gas mother is never, is like lost her child. And for me, I mean, it's, it's barely mentioned in the book. But for me, it was really sad because we don't know anything about Gat's mother because Cadence doesn't know anything about Gat's mother. And so for me, that's just kind of like, not necessarily cemented, but put another peg into Cadence's guilt. She's like, I never knew his mother, but now his mother is without her child. Oh, that just made me sad all over again. Again. (laughs) I thought that maybe at the end of the book, because usually, of course, when something bad happens, you want there to be consequences, right? And I thought maybe with Cadence at the end of the book that maybe I would feel that toward her, but I actually didn't at all. Because through the book, throughout the book, you see the consequences. You feel the consequences. Like, she, her punishment is herself. And, And she's the kind of person where you never wanted her to be punished to begin with. I also like that through the scene of the liars leaving, it was kind of a breakthrough for her. Because she, obviously, she doesn't want to let go, but she did. And so now she let go of her liars. And now she's focusing on the people who are actually there in her life. With, like, her little cousins and her mom and everything. Which I think is also just a really great message. Because it shows that she was suffering for so long. But now she's, like, starting to heal. Like, she obviously hasn't. But I think it was a really great the part of the reason why I think that E. Lockhart tackled this the mental illness aspect really well is because she showed her main character having a breakthrough. Of, you may not see the healing, but you know she is going to heal. Mm-hmm. But it's also just really sad to think of, of how this tragedy came to be. Because... The only reason why the liars even started to do this was because of the power struggle between the grandfather and the mothers, between the grandfather's racism towards Gat and Eddie, towards just the way that they knew that they have this privileged life and they enjoy things like a private island and a full staff and everything, but just like the darkness that hides behind it. And... It was just, like you said, there are a lot of little, like, what you call it? The um, near misses with that. But there's also, like, it could have been prevented if the aunts weren't quarreling with each other so much about money. It could have been prevented if the grandfather wasn't so power hungry. It could have been prevented if maybe even Carrie just married Eddie. You yeah. know? From the small solutions to the big ones. Like the little actions that could have changed everything. But I like I question, like, how does someone get that materialistic? You know? Like, the ants were fighting over, 
like their dead mother's jewelry and they're fighting over tablecloths because none of them had a secure job and they were all living off their trust funds. But like, how does someone get to that point where you're so materialistic you use your children to get your father's money? I think, and I don't think it, exp- I, I don't think it's intended to explain it all the way. I don't even think you could explain it all the way in just one book because there's so many factors that, but anyway, I think the fairy tales hinted at reasons at why, you know, like the, the dragon one, who do you blame the father or the dragon for eating the princess, the, the dad who sent the girl out to be eaten or the dragon who's just there for the 24 hour buffet, you know, that sense of these people weren't just born this way. They were created to be this. It was the father who shaped their greed. It was her, his power hungriness that created the problem. Which is probably why he, he was in shambles after the tragedy. Because he realized, like, this is all on me. I could have prevented this. But, I oh, the guilt he must have felt. Like, I, I, this makes me feel bad for him. And... I mean, he's the one, though, who sent the sacrifice to the dragon, though. You know, like, mm-hmm. he put this all into motion. He, I, I feel like you could trace it back to him. I think everyone has their own part. Everyone has their own responsibility in the problem. But it was also his ideals that even gave birth to all of this. I mean, it was the ideal that Sinclairs are not failures, they're not addicts, they're perfect. Though, now, just thinking about the fairy tales, I feel they really did tell, wow, they really did tell a lot about, like, the mothers. Because you never, like, actually learn about the history of the sisters. You just learn about it through these fairy tales that Cadence is thinking about. Like, how Penny had Cadence first. And so she was favored in one of the fairy tales, but then she was the little princess that no one thought about in the other one. Or, like, um... Oh, now I have the wrong... Which one was I thinking of? The witch at the end? Well, no, just, like, with the mothers. Because there's... She has, in the... In the middle of the book, Cadence has all these fairy tales about, um, a king and his three daughters, which obviously is symbolic of her grandfather and her aunt and her mother. And through those fairy tales, you kind of... It's implied of their history, what they're going through, and why they might be going through that. You know, I didn't think about that till now. Yeah, I think the fairy tales, to me, best served as a way to explain the aunts, the sisters. The other fairy tales, okay, I, in, in, in its entirety, I thought the fairy tales were really cool. And I thought they were very clever. And I like when the fairy tales are clever because I feel like they typically are. So I, I, the only fairy tales I didn't like though, not because of what they were to me, it was kind of what they spoiled a little mm. bit, but I liked the fairy tales with the three daughters, the talking about the aunts and the sisters, because I felt like it, it explained their relationships. So I liked those ones because I didn't feel like they spoiled. I feel like they enhanced but the other ones where it's kind of alluding more to Cadence being the evil witch and Gat being 
the I the mouse, the mouse right yeah I felt like those were a little too spoilery but also I don't feel like it was like the most spoilers thing like I read that and I instantly knew mm-hmm. no it wasn't like that because I, I did not know <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the fairy tales about the mothers were the most developing for the story I actually now that I think about it now that I've thought about it I actually like the fairy tales for what they were because it's kind of like going deeper inside um cadence's mind because sometimes when she had her migraines she would say like there is a witch who is hitting my head and splicing it open with a golden or like cream goose Mm -hmm. right or there's this troll with a club and so she kind of uses like these fairy tale aspects to kind of explain her migraines and so you kind of, like, translate that to the fairy tales of how she explains about the ants and how she feels about her relationship with Gat and her family, kind of, like, how they treat him. Because I don't think Cadence ever, like, fully outrightly says, like, oh, yeah, they're racist against Gat. But it's heavily implied in, like, the little mouse story that they think that the mouse isn't good enough for the little princess. And even just, like, her guilt... And, I mean, it's through the fairy tale of Cadence kind of implying that she's a witch who brought destruction to these three children who are given the descriptors of the liars, the bounce and the snark and the mm-hmm. light and everything. And that's how you kind of discover that the liars are dead is through this fairy tale. So it's kind of like her way of coping. Yeah, I I think particularly with the, the ants that... That greed feels like it could only happen a fairy tale. Like you, you could only imagine people would be that selfish and that power hungry in a story. So I think that's why Cadence told it that way. And you can only imagine. <gasps> Wait, no! <laughs> I just thought. And I just, no, sorry. I'm no, no, you go. You go. No, no, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just totally interrupted you. No, I'm no, so no. sorry. Kami, go. <laughs> if it's on the mind, do it. I still feel bad. It's fine. Okay. Ah, no, I just realized this because Cadence uses the fairy tales as a coping mechanism. She absolutely does because her father gave her a fairy tale book when she was a kid and she loved it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. Okay, that makes. Oh. Yeah, that's. Oh. Because I was wondering why fairy tales in particular, like in the story, I accepted them because mm-hmm. they made sense and they pertain to the situations, of course. But I always wonder, I was like, because she wasn't, she loved books, but it was never said she was a writer or anything. So I was like, huh, I wonder why she is no, making it. It's the- barely mentioned, but her dad oh. gave her a fairy tale book that she, that he read to her every night. So like that goes back to him leaving her using oh. those fairy tales as a cope. Oh my gosh. Katie, that was freaking hot. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. She's so E Lockhart's so freaking clever. Yep. That this is such an intelligently written book. Dang. It's crazy. Katie, man. you are like cracking plots right now. I just thought about that. I was like, oh my gosh. Seriously, like this is such an intelligently written book. I this is crazy. Like everything has its purpose. It's you like could a- reread it and find new details, new things, new twists within themselves. Like, I think you, so you told me, I think this was the last time when we recorded the recommendation, that 
when Cadence comes back to Beechwood, that Gat is complaining about his height, and it's because they don't grow. Oh, yeah. And, like, the little details like that, which one points around, that's hot. (laughs) (laughs) I do it every time. Um, That those little details become something more. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the scene in particular that... Because Tay hadn't... This was the first time you read this book. I was rereading it. So I was, as I was rereading it, there was this one thing that really stood out to me. Was the one where Cadence meets Aunt Carrie on the beach during Summer 17. And they start talking about Johnny. And Carrie kind of talks about him almost as if he is alive. And Cadence obviously thinks, at that point, still thinks he is. But then, like, Carrie knows her son is dead. And so you, like, it's it was in that scene I was realized, like, she can't let go. Like, she's still completely mourning the loss of her son. Well, like, she, she was can't physically pro- holding on to his jacket, right? Mm-hmm. She, like, she can't process that. Like, she would never show it. But, like, she's she's not doing okay. And so I think I think that was also part of the reason why I thought that, like, the fire changed everything. Just because of that scene. Because of Carrie, like, she's just holding onto her dead son's jacket. Like, not wanting to believe that he wasn't alive. Yeah, where before they were all grappling for jewelry and tablecloths. Now she was just holding onto this jacket of this son that she was never going to get back. Oh. Oh, the amount of sadness. Oh. But then you also, like... I think I also really just felt for the younger cousins because they lost their older siblings, but they're also just kind of ignored <laughs> at like all times. Cadence basically ignores them the entire time until the end. And so, but you only kind of see the suffering of the younger cousins, like the twins, Bonnie and, um, why do I want to say Taft? Uh, one of them's, one of them siblings is named Taft. Oops. Oh, he's the, he's the younger brother. Yes, yes. It's Liberty. Liberty. Mm. So, like, I don't remember which one it is, but one of them is a kleptomaniac. One of them's really into, like, death and gore and, like, that kind of thing. And then it's mentioned that Johnny's little brother has nightmares. And so you see these, like, little signs of the younger siblings suffering as well, but you don't really go into it because Cadence never really paid attention to them. And doesn't... I think it's Johnny's... No, no, no. I It may be Taft, who thinks that Cuddle Down is haunted. Yes. And, oh, that's so sad. And, oh, it's... Oh. I mean, it's just... Whew, just like talking about it again, you just see so many other things that just make you even that more, that much more sad. The one thing that made me really, really sad. Okay, I know the whole book made me sad, but this one tiny little thing, it wasn't tiny. This, <laughs> the thing that kind of just makes my heart hurt when I think about it is the fact that Gat and Katie had this really cute little romance going, this little summer romance where they would be together on the beach with all the beach roses and they would write things on the backs of each other's hands. And, you know, Katie was never the one to tell Gat to shut up. She always listened to him and his ideas and everything. 
And so you have all these little things and then she tries to relive them with her image of Gat during Summer 17. And it was just very, it was very sweet. It was very wholesome. It was very much like a teen summer romance. Like exactly the kind of one you would want. And that little, that, that little plot line just made Gat's death that much so, it's just so sad. Because you think about the future that they maybe could have had. Maybe in, in the next two years, Cadence does go to see him in, in the real world. Maybe she does get to meet his mom. Maybe she does get to see where he's living, what he does, you know, how maybe she would get to see more of him than just this perfect Beechwood Island crafted scenario. And you feel the hope that they had because I feel like Gat always said, Kanan, sometimes you don't realize what's really real here. Like, how your family treats me. How, like, what what's really going on here. And at, at the end of the book, she does. And she does realize it and she does accept it. It's just, what would have happened if she had maybe done it earlier? You know, again, just that, ah, oh, those near misses where it's like, you're so close to something. So close to something that could make you so happy or could really free you. And then... It's just a little too late. And I mean, I was rooting for them. I was legitimately rooting for them because they had like their cute little kisses and like the attic while they're looking at books and like they made each other drawings. And if you got the book with the bonus content, you have all these all these little notes that Gat wrote for Katie. And oh, you're just rooting for them so much because Gat is so sweet and wholesome and you love him. Oh. <sighs> It was literally so cute. Like, when I first read this book, I thought, oh, they're going to get together. They have to get together, you know? Because they have to. <laughs> <laughs> I will will it to happen. <laughs> and it's just, it didn't, and it didn't. And and that was just, again, another potential, some something else that could have been great that just died along with the rest of the letters. Yeah. My question to you is, do you think the fire changed things? It absolutely did. Because the the house was rebuilt, but it's in a completely different style. The families, well, I guess Cadence has to sit with the, the younger cousins at the table. But the fights are different. But do you think the fire changed things permanently? Or will it ultimately go back to what it once was. Oh, it I think the fire absolutely changed things permanently. Like the grandfather he would he like he deteriorated. Like he can't remember cadence for her. Like he sometimes calls her Mirren. And I mean, the aunts all except for Penny lost one of their kids. And I mean, I'm not a mother, so I can't fully relate understand that kind of loss but I feel like that's the kind of loss that you do not recover from and so because of the tragedy of Gat and Johnny and Mirren and just the burning of like this for the grandfather of this house that he had with his wife 
for so long. I think that definitely would change things permanently. Mm. And in that sense, they did what they set out to do. They broke the wheel. At a great cost. A great cost. Ew. Oof. Thank you all so much for joining us in today's in-depth discussion about We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. We hope that you will join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the series and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Kiwi and the Bird. And remember, like a library, at Kiwi and the Bird, shh, happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers. Bloop, 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 bloop. Actually, there was a fire, though, when my grandma and grandpa first built this house in the field right off from our backyard. There's, like, Mm -hmm. this green field. And they were worried this house that they had just built was going to burn. Like, that's how close it was coming to the house. And Ken and I were up here watching the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's freaking out. They're grabbing all the photo albums. And Ken and I are freaking (laughs) watching the Muppets. And then my mom wanted really adventurous kids. And she got Ken and me. (laughs) Shadowed men. (laughs) I loved America's Next Top Model when I was a kid. It was a good, it was a, it's a really addicting show. Yeah, for some reason, there's just something about, like, Nigel Bach or... (laughs) (laughs) Those are the days. (laughs) That was six months ago. (laughs) It was a different time. Actually, I feel that. Do you like savings, man? Whack. No, apparently they're not going to, they're not going to do it in November. They're not gonna wait. Who decided this? Everyone's like, we're not going to do. I think it was the government because it was like they only did daylight savings for farmers, and they're like, what are we? Not farmers. Da 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 da. Have you seen that peanut butter baby video? Oh yeah, where the where it's like, do you like that? It's like, ah. Okay, thank you, because Kenna didn't know. I, we were doing something. I was like, do you like that? Ugh. And she didn't get it. I was like, get out. You are a cultured person. You're supposed to know about Peanut Butter Baby. <laughs> so, of course, Cadence is the star of the show in We Were Liars. But we also get what? <laughs> I, I even think of a river. And a river's just super powerful. Like, you just, you don't Pocahontas. mess with a river. <laughs>